0: By purpose, driven by passion. This is Children's Healthcare Canada's Spark Conversations podcast series.
1: Welcome to Spark Conversations, which is Children's Healthcare Canada's monthly podcast series. At the crossroads of children's healthcare, system improvement, and leadership, Spark Conversations is a solution-focused podcast that connects the child and youth health community with system leaders who tackle wicked problems and discuss ideas to inform the development of innovative and integrated systems serving children and youth. Spark Conversations is one component of our Spark Knowledge Mobilization Program. Spark is the shared platform for advocacy, research, and knowledge. I'm Dr. Catherine Smart, and today I'm delighted to be speaking with Dr. Jason Berman. Dr. Berman is the CEO and Scientific Director of the CHEO Research Institute and the Vice President Research at CHEO. He is also a full professor in the Department of Pediatrics and Cellular and Molecular Medicine at the University of Ottawa. Previously, he served as Associate Chair, of Research, Department of Pediatrics, and Professor of Pediatrics, Microbiology and Immunology and Pathology at Dalhousie University, Interim Vice President, Research, Innovation and Knowledge Translation for the IWK Health Center in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He is a pediatric hematologist, oncologist, and internationally recognized for pioneering research using zebrafish to study childhood cancers and rare inherited diseases. His laboratory has served as the Atlantic node of the Centre for Drug Research and Development and a national hub for zebrafish modelling of orphan diseases. He has served as President of the Canadian Society for Clinical Investigation, President of the Canadian Hematology Society, and is a founding member of the Canadian Rare Disease Models and Mechanisms Network. He has served as President of the Canadian Society for Clinical Investigation, President of the Canadian Hematology Society, and is a founding member of the Canadian Rare Disease Models and Mechanisms Network. He is currently Chair of the Board of Directors of the National Maternal Infant Child and Youth Research Network, and a member of the Board of the Ontario Institute of Cancer Research and the Canadian Institutes of Health Research Institute of Cancer Research Today, we are chatting about an extremely important topic, child health research. Hello, Jason, and welcome to Spark Conversations.
0: Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me here.
1: The recent healthcare crisis in pediatrics has really shown us the importance of fostering innovation and research partnerships and working across sectors to bring much-needed innovative change to the healthcare system. Now more than ever, we need to form partnerships and find creative solutions to close the gaps in Canadian healthcare systems through catalyzing innovation and bringing together healthcare leaders and researchers to address healthcare challenges in new ways and to start thinking outside the box. Thank you for joining us today to provide some valuable expert advice, and I look forward to learning from you and the work that you've done. Thank you. Jason, please tell us, what do you see as the role of research in helping us address the challenges in our children's health system facing us currently?
0: So, you know, health research is really part of the solution to the current healthcare crisis, and it's really vital to protecting and ensuring the long-term viability of our healthcare system. And I think generally people tend to think of, healthcare in one box and research in another box and you know that's not surprising because often they occur in different buildings in different settings but in many places like at uh, at Cheo and many other children's hospitals most of our researchers are, are actually clinicians themselves. And much of the healthcare research that happens in Canada happens in hospital-based research institutes. And so the fundamental science that occurs in those research institutes can drive discoveries that ultimately will save lives and enhance quality of life. Clinical research that's undertaken will, will benefit those patients in, in, in located in that centre and, and beyond, And population health services research is really important to understand the needs more broadly of Canada's population and evaluate how we can organize and operate our health systems in a more effective way.
1: So, Jason, it's wonderful to see someone like yourself that has a focus on children. I think throughout the pandemic, we saw so much talk about adults and adult health. And I think often those of us who work with children wonder if they're a bit of a forgotten population. Can you tell us why research around the health of children is so important?
0: Yeah. So, so this is a great question. And, you know, one thing I think that was really um, highlighted by the pandemic was uh, that children are a bit of a forgotten population. Um, and actually, it's not just children. In fact, it, it, we, we saw this effect earlier in the pandemic on, uh, on, on the elderly and people in long-term care homes. There tends to be a focus in the healthcare system, both on healthcare delivery and often in research on the, you know, the general population, adults, um, and we tend to forget about, about kids who really are our future. And uh, and kids' health is really um, important. We know that in terms of looking at the life trajectory, you know, giving kids a healthy start ensures that they're going to be healthy through adulthood and um, be less of a burden on the healthcare system because they're living healthier lives. And so, you know, uh Child Health research provides us the opportunity to look in many ways at prevention of diseases um, and uh, an early implementation of systems to avoid problems uh, later on and so thinking of that whole healthcare trajectory I think is really it, it is really important, and bringing innovative solutions to that so again, thinking of those two populations. Uh, children and, and and older adults. Um, we've instituted a program together with one of our uh, our sister research institutes in Ottawa, the Bruyere Research Institute, to look at this program called 8 to 80, where we're looking at how do we bring innovative solutions to help with healthcare problems at both ends of the, uh, of the age spectrum, uh, kids uh, eight days to adults 80 years of age, who may seem on the surface to be very different in terms of their needs and challenges. But actually, when you think about things like mobility, hearing, vision, many of those types of things are similar challenges in uh, in children and youth. And in fact, one of our... Um, Uh, One of our our surgeons and um, uh, research entrepreneurs here, Dr. Matt Bromwich, developed a a hearing testing system called Shoebox. He's based at CHEO, developed the system here, and now it's being implemented at Bouyeres.
1: Wow, Jason, I find that so interesting how you've been able to find some parallels between children's and older adults and and finding synergies between what we're trying to understand about kids in our society and our elders. That's a really interesting uh, perspective. In a recent op-ed published by the Ottawa Business Journal, you spoke about the importance of research innovation and cross-industry collaborations in tackling today's healthcare crisis. Can you tell us a bit more about this work?
0: Yeah, so, so thank you for referencing that. And you mentioned in your, in your opening comments around outside of the box thinking, you know, I think there's very, uh, there are these, these silos that exist between clinical folks, research folks, the business community, um, industrial partners, we need to break down those silos and bring people together. Um, and that's, really what we've been trying to do with our uh, innovation uh, core that we've developed here at the CHEO Research Institute. It's really serving as a missing link in the co-development of products by early-stage companies that want to collaborate with late-stage researchers. And in some cases, the innovation is coming from the the researcher, the clinician um, themselves, and looking at how do we partner with industry to take that um, to the public. And in other cases, it may be a company that's on uh, the outside of CHEO that's looking to partner with the clinical and research expertise housed here to have access to a particular patient population and expertise in particular disease processes so that we can uh, work together to solve problems. And it's looking at how, how do we do that? How do we bring people together to do that? In the past, there was a real sense that If you wanted to do that type of innovative work, if you wanted to start a company, if you wanted to work with a company, you needed to leave academia. And so many of those really bright minds that we had in hospitals, in academic programs, who had these innovative thoughts and innovative plans, uh, felt the need to 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 leave and go uh, go to 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 do their industry work outside of the healthcare center. We're now trying to bring that in house, trying to break down those silos, bring people together, so we can address those problems in, in the healthcare center.
1: I love how you're talking about breaking down silos and thinking outside of the box. I think so often our reluctance to do that has led to some of the challenges that we have. So it's great to see that you guys have been able, through your research and innovation, to really bring together those private-public partnerships and look at how we can all create a better future of health for children together. The CHEO Research established a new Innovation core in 2021. Can you speak more about this Innovation core and what the goals are of this initiative?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the, the innovation core really is the, the, the hub that undertakes this, this work, uh, bringing together, um, members of the business community, the hospital community, the academic community, creating a, a structure that really is incubated within the hospital and the research institute to undertake these types of, uh, innovation projects. Uh, looking at what are the needs of the healthcare system and how can we bring people together to try to solve those problems. Uh, clinicians, researchers—they're good problem solvers. They—that—that's—that's uh, that's what we're trained. We're trained to do. You identify a, a a clinical problem. You identify a research problem. How do you troubleshoot that? How do you come up with a solution? But we're not necessarily trained very well in the business aspects of that. And that's where bringing in those kinds of partnerships can really foster a collaboration that can have meaningful results.
1: I love how you highlight the ability to bring what you're seeing clinically to the research table and really try to come up with practical solutions that make a difference in the lives of children every day. Jason, tell us a bit about how the world of research is evolving to keep pace with new developments in artificial intelligence, precision health and data reform.
0: Yeah, so there, there have been a, a number of, of of opportunities that have come forward uh, in a number of different uh, a number of different programs. One of our researchers uh, who is a Canada Research Chair in medical artificial intelligence, Dr. Khaled Al amam he's a member of our core and he's an expert in using synthetic data. Um, to be able to answer key questions. And the concept of synthetic data in, in simple terms, and it's not, not not my expertise, is how do you create a data set that resembles a real-life data set so that you can answer questions when the real-life data set may be hard to access or you may not be able to get sufficient numbers. And that's often a problem in uh, child health where we're dealing with rare genetic disorders or rare conditions that only occur in a small subset of the population. And to get sufficient numbers of those uh, patients participating, you would have to do studies, uh, national studies, or even international studies. And while those are, are, are uh, feasible potentially, they're, uh, they take a very long time and they're very uh, they can be cost prohibitive. And so the idea of creating a synthetic data set to try to answer some of those questions has a lot of value and can then demonstrate really how to fine tune that study so that ultimately, when you then want to bring in real patients, you know, the exact questions to ask. And so, you know, I think that's an example of how artificial intelligence is really being used practically to, uh, to answer those, those types of questions. We also, uh, CHEO is the home to a number of uh, provincial registries in Ontario. The Born Registry, which tracks all, um, uh, every live birth that happens in Ontario, whether it's in hospital or outside hospital. Uh, NSO Newborn Screening Ontario, that tracks every, that, that tracks the blood spots that are done on every, uh, on every birth uh, in Ontario. These are very rich databases of information that we can then use to be able to answer uh, really critical questions. And as, as an example of that, uh, recently one of our, uh, our scientists, uh, Dr. DeShane Fell, identified using the BORN database um, uh, key um, uh, safety data around uh, COVID vaccine uh, safety in pregnancy. And so this was really important. Not only did it lead to you know, a, a very uh, impactful report, but the, it, it also is uh, going to have life-changing implications in terms of how clinicians, not just across Ontario, but across Canada and around the world, approach uh, COVID vaccination in pregnancy. And so that's really the power of having those kinds of data sets to be able to answer key questions.
1: Wow, it's really fascinating to hear about the work that you're doing and how you're leveraging things like data to really deeply understand some of the challenges that are facing us right now. So Jason, this innovation course sounds really fascinating to me. I would love to hear a bit more about some examples of what kind of collaborations and work have come from those partnerships.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I've mentioned a bit around uh, artificial intelligence. Um, I think that that can be a bit of a, a scary term for some people. It seems a little bit foreign. But, you know, if we think about when people talked about smartphone phones and computers a number of years ago when those first, first were introduced, I think those were intimidating uh, and overwhelming to many people. And now it's hard to think of anyone getting through their day, no matter what they do, without using a smart smartphone or... Or or a computer interface, and so AI, I really see that as the next step in this in this evolution. It's helping us uh, work together uh, and work better to answer uh, key questions. Um, it it I think has a major uh, opportunity to help us with the uh, uh, health uh, human resources issue where we need you know where we we're struggling to find enough people to undertake many of these roles. Are there? AI solutions that can help streamline so that we don't need as many personnel in certain roles. Um, So that we can, for example, predict through using AI analytics uh, the number of patients likely to come to an emergency room or be admitted to a floor, so we can better predict um, uh, nursing um, uh, uh, nursing allocations uh, to those to those shifts. I think those things are going to be very very helpful. Can AI help a pathologist or a radiologist? um, better identify, um, uh, um, diagnoses. And so if that can help them streamline that process, again, not replacing that medical expertise, but facilitating and helping that, can they get through more cases so that diagnoses can be made, uh, more quickly and, um, and, and that information can be fed back to the clinician to, uh, to impact, uh, uh, that, patient. You, you spoke about precision health and, you know, precision health, I think is really the future of, Uh, children's health care. And this is this idea, precision of having a more tailored approach to treatment, not having a one size fits all. And um, I really like using that word tailored, because it calls up the the analogy of, you know, buying an item of clothing and buying something off the rack that may fit many people or having your clothes tailored so that you have a bespoke item of clothing that's really designed for you. And that's really what we want to have for children's health care. We want to have personalized care that's made to measure and this concept um, is, is uh, fairly well established in, uh, in genetics and rare genetic disorders, which is an area of expertise at CHEO where you identify specific genetic abnormality that's the, the cause of a given patient's diagnosis and then try to find a treatment that may be specific, whether it's a uh, enzyme replacement or gene therapy or something else that specifically uh, can correct that abnormality. Similarly, in cancer, we know a lot about the genetics of cancer and trying to um, matches specific targeted therapy with a particular mutation in a cancer. But this is much more broad in terms of this concept of um, precision health. And we like to think of it from genetic code to postal code. How do you um, identify what are the best needs for a specific patient. And so we have a program at Chio uh, that serves um, uh, the mental health uh, population called One Call, One Click, that allows individuals, either on the phone or uh, through their computer, to who have a mental health concern, to be able to identify the specific service they need. You know, do they need is it an emergency service? Can it wait till tomorrow? Is it a social worker? Is it a psychologist? What's the right sort of provider and service that will meet that individual's needs. And we've grown, uh, built on that program into uh, currently a uh, precision child mental health program that's looking at how do we adapt our mental health system to to specifically um, meet the needs of individual um, patients and families. And so it's really this broad idea of made to measure personalized healthcare for each and every patient and their family.
1: So Jason, I can really tell from your work the passion that you have for research, and I'd love for you to share with our listeners, how does research give us hope for the future?
0: Well, you know, research by definition is hope. And, you know, in in, in one of my other uh, roles, I'm a pediatric cancer specialist, I'm a pediatric oncologist, and so I meet with patients and families and often have to talk with them about uh, really difficult diagnoses and sometimes have to share... um, Uh, difficult news with those families. And when we are able to present that there is a clinical trial, that there's a new drug, that there's a new test, that there's a new opportunity, that brings families hope. And time and time again, I've had those families come to me and say, you know, that opportunity, that program, that ability to participate in research, you know, really gave us hope. We know in some cases it may not make a difference to our child or maybe, maybe didn't make a difference to that child, but recognize that that may contribute to make a difference to a child um, in the future. And and I really think about that As, as a clinician researcher, when I'm doing providing clinical care, I'm thinking about that child and family in front of me and how do I make an impact in terms of improving their health today and in the future but when i'm engaged in research i know that can have a broader impact maybe on that child in front of me but hopefully on many children not just in my local environment but beyond that by by being able to advance the field and and uh, and and push the uh, and push the needle down down uh, further
1: jason thank you so much for sharing your incredible insights with us today i've learned so much listening to you and i feel very inspired before we say goodbye, I have a few final rapid fire questions. No right or wrong answers here. Please just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Sure. who has had the biggest influence on your career and why?
0: Yeah, so you know I've had a lot of uh, mentors, uh, research mentors, clinical mentors, and you know we talk a lot about in the uh, in the research world around having different mentors to support your career. but I would have to say it was uh, probably my father who's been gone a long time, but um, was a clinician and researcher himself, not not a pediatrician. He was a cardiologist, but he was someone that um, always was curious, always asked questions and so really uh, married research and clinical work, but always was incredibly kind. And so um, set an example of uh, teamwork and working together and treating everyone as equals to be able to solve problems.
1: What is one thing you feel deeply grateful for right now?
0: So... You know i I feel de- deeply grateful. i I would say it's two things. One is my family because I think you know we all need family to uh, to ground us, and I think many of us have spent a lot of time with our family maybe more than we expected during uh, the pandemic when we were we were locked down. And so the support of your family I think is really important. but also uh, my team here at Chio in the research Institute, in the hospital, my executive uh, team colleagues the members of my lab, the clinicians I get to work with. We're really a sense of community here and we really all feel like we are are rowing in the same direction. And so I think that's really powerful to be part of that team and being able to um, uh, advance children's health care.
1: What is the number one thing we need to consider right now to move children's health care forward in a positive direction?
0: So, you know, we we are in the unprecedented time where we've you know, identified that we need a right sizing of children's health care, that children's health care um, really has, has been um, undervalued and has not received the attention it needs. So uh, the, the, the pandemic and the recent surge that we've had at many hospitals, including ours, has really shone a light on that. And also now, uh, and, you know, really uh, timely this week, um, the discussion happening between the federal government and the premiers around the transfer of additional funds. And so, you know, a problem's been identified, a solution looks like it's forthcoming with money, um, but money doesn't solve things if we don't use it in a smart way. We need to really think about it's not just throwing money at the problem and seeing what sticks. It's really working with teams, thinking of how research and innovation can inform better delivery of care. We, we, we can't you know, flip a switch and have all the problems in children's health care go away. We have to identify what they are and then come up working together as teams uh, to try to find solutions and having the opportunity and this unique opportunity of increased uh, transfer payments from the, the federal government to the provinces to help support that. Because I think there's going to be competition for those dollars. We want to be able to show that we've come up with really creative solutions to use those dollars in the most effective way.
1: Thank you, Jason. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Like I said, I've learned a ton, and I'm sure our listeners will be very inspired.
0: Thanks very much, Catherine. Thanks for having me.
1: Stay safe and be well. To stay up to date on all our SPARK offerings, including upcoming podcast episodes, visit our website at childrenshealthcarecanada.ca and subscribe to our SPARK news biweekly e-bulletin if you haven't already. Thanks for listening to Spark Conversations. And before we go, show some love for your new podcast series by leaving us a review and then join us again next month. Thank you.